Welcome to the Beyond Physical Therapy Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to physical therapists and other healthcare professionals that have broken away from the pack of everyday clinicians. Learn how to shift your mindset away from traditional PT and healthcare as we interview those that have already found a way to move beyond their day-to-day job. I'm your host, Zach Reggio. Let's dive into today's episode. that difficult line of not selfish self-care and what does that mean in terms of self-reflection how do you do that intentionally how do you do that with purpose so that ultimately you can get better patient outcomes hey guys welcome to today's episode we have carla and megan both physical therapists that started physio sage because they knew the importance of quality patient education in healthcare, and they wanted to make it easier for therapists to deliver They offer accessible and affordable self-reflection courses, teaching and learning tools, mentoring, and more. Here's the episode. Carla and Megan, thank you so much, guys, for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I think we're going to learn a lot from you guys here in today's episode. So before we get started, you guys just first mind sharing a little bit about your backgrounds. Yeah. So hi, my name is Megan and I'm a physical therapist that's been out about one year. I'm from Michigan, but I graduated from Northwestern's physical therapy school and I have a background of being a gymnast. I was a gymnast at Central Michigan University and have really found a love for the public floor population and am excited to grow and learn in that specialty. Very nice. Cool. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, This is Carla, and I am from the Chicagoland area. Um, I actually am a women's clinical specialist and graduated from WashU in St. Louis seven years ago and did residency actually after that for a year and then sat for another big expensive board exam. So I am kind of a Jill of all trades right now a little bit. So in addition to starting PhysioSage, which we're going to talk about, I am actually an adjunct teacher at a local PTA program, and I'm taking my own courses in public health um, because I'm looking into pursuing my PhD in public health. I play six instruments, so that's kind of my background. Yeah, less of the sports background. So um, when I was in PT school, I was kind of like the odd person out, I guess. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But then I do practice. I do some in-home therapy work. And then I also work a couple days a week at a pelvic floor clinic. Very cool. Yeah. You you sound busy. Pretty much as busy busy as I I am too. I I got like 10 different things I'm always trying to do. But um, I'm just curious, how did you guys meet? Did you meet through like your kind of women's health background or in school? Yeah. So I actually met Carla um, at school. She came to one of our career day, career fair type of things. And I was really excited because she was a pelvic floor specialist and that's the specialty I wanted to go in. And luckily right after graduation, I was offered the opportunity to work where she worked. And so I was able to learn and grow from her for a little bit of time before we realized that wasn't the place for the both of us. And we both left at the same time (laughs) and decided that we still wanted to connect with each other and grow with each other as mentors and friends. And that really led us to kind of decide what we're going to do next, which was physio stage. Very cool. Yeah, no, I love that. And so what was the thing that, that made you guys want to start PhysioSage? What was like the leading factor or maybe, you know, the thing that drove you guys the most to want to do this? 
Yeah. So Carla and I are super nerds about physical therapy and we love figuring out what the best way to treat patients is. And we have found that having excellent patient education skills, excellent communication skills, relationships with patients really go a long way in patient care. And I've got to be honest, Zach, physical therapists aren't that good at patient education. We have a lot of work to do. And Carla and I have created PhysioStage to help create a less of a gap in that and provide resources to allow physical therapists to become better patient educators. Okay. Yeah. So since we had this pandemic, we had a little bit of time. We left our jobs and we were like, what are we going to do? Um, so starting a business, natural, right? But I think part of it is we obviously have this goal and dream of creating better patient educators. Um, so we really had to dive deep into, okay, what does that look like? What does that mean? So when, and we talk about this all the time, we're at dinner with our husbands, boyfriends, and we're talking about these kinds of things and they're like, please stop. But basically that like, if you look in the literature, patient education is not really well described for physical therapy. Um, it's always lumped into something else. And so we started to say, all right, there's got to be better sources for how to be truly a patient educator. And so that's where we were called to pull in our five core values, which we call our SAGE subjects, which are teaching, learning, health literacy, patient empowerment, and then clinical reflection. So there's kind of this idea that it's the relationship between you and your patient. So the clinical reflection is kind of more on the self me as the PT part, all the way to teaching and learning, and then ultimately patient empowerment. So that's our mission in a nutshell. And I think we've got a lot to tackle. And if you go on our Instagram account, you can kind of see that we post daily about each of those five subject areas. And we're super, super passionate about it. Very nice. Yeah. Patient education is huge and it's it's really, really important to have that kind of peace in your treatment. Otherwise, it, you just don't get the same outcomes. What do you think is maybe one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of PTs just are kind of not, they don't have as much experience with it, or maybe they're just not as good at educating? Do you think it has something to do with, you know, the type of schooling or, or what do you think that reason is? Yeah. So if you ask any physical therapist, whether they're brand new or 20 years out, is patient education important? Probably 100% of those people are going to say yes. We all know it's important, but if you ask someone to describe what it is or how to do it or when to apply what strategy, then we're not really getting those answers. And so I think that gap comes between PT school it, they did a good job of letting us know it's important and convincing us it's important. We all agree in that, but not quite going into the detail of how to do it, how to adapt to different patient learning styles, how to reflect on your own teaching and then improve upon that, how to ask for help, how to ask your coworkers for help, how to describe a situation so that you can learn from it later. All of those things have really gone into that gap that we're really seeing and hopefully others will see in themselves. Yeah, I, I can tell you one of the things that made, has made me a great uh, patient educator is having neck, thoracic, lumbar pain myself and just like really going through the exact same thing that a lot of my patients have gone through. I feel like I can almost put myself in their shoes a little bit better and really like emphasize with them a little bit more. 
So uh, that's been really helpful for me, but I'm sure you guys have a ton of great tips and, and things that you're offering for people to kind of learn more about this. So can you guys tell me more about maybe your plans for a, a mentorship program? Yeah. So we are kind of in the process of still gleaming feedback. So we launched really in June. And so we're still new, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which personally, I think is the most exciting place to be. Um, but we really want to know what people want to see. So I think the first thing is we're establishing, hey, you know, again, this is a problem, right? Like we say a lot about patient education, but maybe we don't know the best way to do that. Um, And I think another point to this is I've been a mentor for several years. I've been a CI and I kind of kept seeing this pattern that like, my students maybe didn't really know how to educate appropriately or how to communicate appropriately. And those were the skills that I feel like at least I really worked with them on. So we're talking about, you know, do we want to do a formal mentorship program? Do we want to do more of like a coaching kind of based service for PTs so that maybe you get more uh, frequent feedback or maybe it's a little bit more personal, you know? I think our big thing is that we really understand that like your sense of self is an important component to your care, right? It's not selfish to think about yourself if you're doing it in the right way, at least. So So I think that's kind of where we're like, we're towing that difficult line of, not selfish self-care and what does that mean in terms of self-reflection how do you do that intentionally how do you do that with purpose um, so that ultimately you can get better patient outcomes so you know in terms of the mentorship programs is it group is it online is it going to be one-on-one i think that we're kind of open to a lot of feedback one thing that i think megan and i are also very passionate about is that we want to make things affordable enough So we've done our research. We've looked at some of the mentorship programs and they're not always that accessible or affordable. And when I think about who needs mentorship often the most or who's actually going to seek it out is newer grads who are poor. You know, I want to, you know, we are a business, but I still want to kind of broach that line of like getting you to be able to access what you want and what you need. So that's tough. And I am, we are open to feedback on that. And we really want our listeners, our members, our Instagram followers to know we're not going to teach you a specialty. We're not here to teach you about pelvic floor. We're not here to teach you about vestibular disorders. We want to teach you skills that you can use within all of your specialties. And that's why we're considering something that doesn't quite look like a traditional mentoring model. And we're considering what coaching looks like. We're considering what uh, happens if you have someone that's helping you train for a marathon and they're texting you and saying, how did you do on this run today? Like maybe we want to be that person to say like, what patient encounters did you struggle with today? How could they be better? How can we reflect together to move forward for the next day? Yeah. Which beautifully mirrors the patient education process. So we never just say, Hey, I taught you that skill. See you later patient. We follow up. We have to keep them accountable but encouraging and kindly. And we need to say, oh, what were the barriers and take all of those things into account? Well, listeners, we're all people, right? So I think that's that's really, really cool. You said it beautifully, Megan. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that self-reflection um, kind of aspect that you guys have. I think that's probably a big thing that's very overlooked, especially by 
I don't know if I'm being sexist, but guys like probably aren't doing this as much, you know, they're not like, Oh, how did I come off to that patient? You know what I mean? Maybe we just don't think about it as much, but can you guys Even tell you me saying that Zach is a step in the right self. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to represent all the, the males out there. Um, so can you guys tell me maybe about some of the resources that you are offering or maybe that you hope to offer? Yeah, so currently we have several free resources on our website, physiosage.org. One is a really cool uh, infographic all about health literacy and how that relates to your role as a PT and then gives you some actionable tips about what you can actually do to consider health literacy. We also have a free download of the stages of competence, which is kind of a system of learning or a style of learning. And I just think it's a really good thing, both personally, but then also for our patients to consider. And then another free download that we have is our self-reflection one-page resource. And I think this is just like really, really awesome to use every day after you're in the clinic and we have it fillable so you can use it online or you can print it out, whatever you choose. So check those out. But then we actually also just launched our first practice pack is what we call it. So it's called our Sage Daily Practice Pack. So we're kind of starting again on that like clinical, critical self-reflection side of things of our five values and really considering the self the PT as the self. And so how do we do that? We have to kind of think about what makes our lives easier. So we've got like a um, daily planner where you can have something that says, what are my teaching goals for my patients today? I think about this all the time in the clinic, but we need to be intentional and maybe write it down. (laughs) And actually that process of literally journaling, writing, it's been shown in the literature many, many, many times across health disciplines that this is more effective than just kind of thinking about it on your drive home. So it's got other tools. It's got helpful checklists for you, things that can kind of help you with confidence, help you just to make your life easier so that you can have more time to reflect. Yeah. I think that like that journaling aspect is great. And one of the hardest things for me, because I've tried journaling and I'm not good at it at all, is that I feel like I don't have any structure to it. Like I'm, I'm just kind of free handing it and I don't have that kind of outline that you guys are giving people, it seems like you're really making them think about um, certain aspects of the day or their treatment or their patient care that they might not have even thought of before that. So I I think that's really helpful, especially for someone like me who just kind of, you know, their mind goes in 10 different directions and it's hard to really kind of focus on those main few things that maybe are most important to them. Yes. And I have to tell you, I am like you in that way. So I, you know, I wanted to create these resources because I'm not a, what's a good journaler? I don't know. Um, But it doesn't come naturally to me by any means. Um, I would say, Megan, you like to journal, you love journaling. And so I kind of was like, yeah, sure, let's explore it. (laughs) Um, It's a little harder for me. I'm much more verbal. I'm kind of all over the place. So I do think that using that framework and we pulled it, adapted it straight from the literature. So it's not like, you know, we're just coming out of this, out of thin air. Um, It is evidence-based. And so I think that's really cool. I mean, I just think that's really, really cool to have something that you can use. And the good news is you don't have to be good at it. So (laughs) you don't have to turn it in for a grade. There's nothing (laughs) 
that says you can't write it in Sharpie and then the next day, you know, turn out a new one. So it's all about the process and just giving it a try and seeing what happens. And I think everything's one page in our practice pack. Yeah, everything is one page. So it's really quick. And if you are a journaler, you can have the freedom to make it longer and write more. But if you're not and you're just starting out, it's perfect for you to just get a little snippet of reflection too. Very cool. I'm going to have to download that. (laughs) So can you guys tell me maybe about some of the mentors in your life that have influenced you and maybe even your path to decide to go out on your own and start your own business? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I did residency. So I had multiple mentors through that experience. And then my first job out was a private practice, all pelvic floor job. And so I had, and just with the owner. And so I had basically an ingrained mentor there. Um, I have been really lucky in my life that I've had really good people. And I think Some of that is luck. Some of that is blessing, whatever you want to call it. Some of that is intentional and keeping those people around. So now, you know, I'm seven years out. I still like mentors. You need mentors and you need people that you go to for your whole career. If you don't think you do, you might be burnt out. Um, Just to hate to break it to you. So I firmly believe like we always need to be getting feedback. We always need to be talking things out and we all need to stay humble in that. So I keep what I call kind of like my personal brain trust. Um, And so I have a few, they happen to be women mostly who are PTs and I call them all the time and we talk about patients. Megan is in that now for me too. So thanks Carla. (laughs) I'm in the I made it in the circle. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, being a year out of school, I've had my mentors through my clinical instructors and some of my favorite professors in school. And I've learned different things that I like about mentors and different things that I don't like. And that really comes down to the communication and the questions that they ask me and how challenging they are to my thinking. And let me tell you, my favorite mentor and my most challenging person is this girl right next to me. (laughs) Um, When I was her mentee, she was the queen of challenging questions and making me think and asking why I did this. Even if she didn't have an answer, she was going to still ask me to try to make me come up with an answer. And that has not left me yet. It hasn't been that long, but I'm sure it will (laughs) never leave me uh, just to keep asking, okay, why did I choose this exercise? What is this going to do for my patient? Why did I choose this way to explain? Uh, Even looking at the, um, so since we're both in pelvic floor, we like to use models and especially that pelvic floor model is really helpful for patients. And just talking out the talk with Carla has really helped all of my patient interactions to try and explain what the pelvis is to a patient who's never seen or talked about their pelvis before. Yeah. My head's not going to fit through the door. Especially after this episode airs. (laughs) But I do, I want to say, I think, you know, Megan's only one year out and we're starting business together and she was my mentee. Some of that is her character through mentorship. So the fact that she could take feedback challenging feedback. I'm a pretty blunt, pretty direct person for anyone that knows me. Um, And so the fact that she could take that and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to learn. I'm going to get everything I can from you. And I think that showed me like, okay, she's in it to like, she's going to do this. Um, And so, you know, thinking about who you want to partner with in your business or just 
in your brain trust, I think that's really, those are kind of the character traits that I look for at least. Yeah, definitely. You need someone that's going to push you. Yeah. All right, cool. So if you guys could create a mandatory class for, for PT schools, what do you think it would entail? So in our theme of patient education and communication, I think it'd be awesome if we had an improv class that was mandatory because this just would help PT students not act like robots because on all of our practicals, we have to come in and say, my name is Megan Lanthier and I'm going to be your student physical therapist. And now I'm washing my hands and now (laughs) I'm approaching the table and don't forget like to, I'm putting on the gate belt right now and such a robotic stance and doing some of this improv could help us, you know, uh, feel more comfortable and talking to people, acting on the fly. If patients say the strangest things <laughs> and you've got to be ready to react to that and react in a way that is empowering, uh, is flowing into your teaching and keeping your day going if you've got a talker, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I like that. Do you have any ideas, Carla? Yeah, I mean, I... Mine's not as exciting, (laughs) Um, but I would say I think a lot of programs are going to a competency-based curriculum, and so they're going more to the, like, skills-based, are you actually competent? So just because you get an A in a class because you really know neurology doesn't mean that you're competent in treating patients with neurological conditions, for example. So I think that adding in the patient education component to competency-based curriculums I'm sure they're doing that, but I am excited to see that. And I think that it needs to be a skill just like manual therapy is a skill. And to be honest, I think it's more important. So if you put your hands on a patient, but they don't know why you're doing it, it's not going to work. So patient education for me kind of trumps it every time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no skills check for patient education as far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see some skills check on patient education. Yeah. And I do want to make the point, okay, we're kind of like, we're not trash talking PT programs at all. Like there's so much that we have to learn in three years. There is so much that we do. Some of this is we do learn a little bit of this, but it is a little bit out of context. It's not woven into every other class. So it's kind of like maybe you have your health behavior change class or something like that. Like, I don't even remember what we called it when I was in school. Psychosocial, I think is what we call it. Exactly. And so it's sort of this like standalone thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just that class we have to take. And I hate that now because I'm like, man, that is the stuff we should have really been paying attention to. So if I'm totally honest, like, Sorry to all my (laughs) teachers out there, Um, but I do think that is something that I want to say is like, we're doing it, maybe we need to change how we're weaving it into the curriculum. And then also just like, as PT students, we need to, you know, they need to recognize that it is actually really that important. And I think sometimes we put so much emphasis on like the hands-on skills and, you know, other tools or things that you're learning. Or the exam. Yeah, the exam, the hard stuff. I mean, I hate to say it, there's still this like student mindset that I think sometimes kind of ruins how we act as PTs. And so that first year or so out really, I think, can be impacted by that. Yeah, definitely. I'm a a teaching assistant myself at uh, the Stony Brook Physical Therapy Program. I'm going to have to start talking to some of my professors and be like, you know, you guys got to add this patient education stuff as competency. I think it's important. That's (laughs) awesome. Yes. Because again, like, okay, let's say you have a practical and somebody comes in and they do their manual skill flawlessly, but they like 
don't make any connection with you. I mean, that's not good. That person will not have a good PT experience. And there are so many people out there that want our job. They want what we do. PT has an identity problem. We know that. And so we've got to really stand for it. This is what we're good at. This is what we can do. And we need to start making advocates of our patients too. Def- Getting awesome. fired up. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I could sense you could go on for a long time. With oh, this. Gosh, she could. She could. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So what do you think, um, can, can you guys share some big personal wins that you've had in the last couple months? Uh, yeah. So we've been super excited with all of the development of PhysioSage and just being able to learn more about the business side of things. And every time we learn something new in business, it's a little personal win for us because this is all brand new for us. Email marketing, website design. So that has really been some personal uh, wins in terms of business development. But recently, uh, my boyfriend and I just finished Whole30 and we did it successfully. It's 30 days of sticking to a pretty strict diet. And I really had never tried a diet before. And so this was very challenging and definitely eye-opening if I ever ask my patients to make any changes in their diet. And I've also tried to play tennis, which is a brand new skill. Uh, Being a gymnast, we don't use any objects. They're all stationary. So anything with the hand-eye coordination of like catch, throw, hit, something, not my forte. So that has also been eye-opening in what it takes to learn a new skill, which is what our patients are doing every visit. So taking those humbling moments to learn (laughs) this past couple of months. Practicing the attitude shift. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I, so many personal wins. Honestly, I will say, I think we all can give ourselves a pat on the back for like getting up every morning with the current situation, 2020, uh, in America especially. So I think um, kudos to all of us, right? Um, And I really think that's, that's huge. But something else that I have been working on actually is a online course that's all about the movement system and how that can be applied to uh, women's and pelvic health. And so we just actually got accepted. I co-taught it with my former residency director and mentor, Tracy Spitznagel. And uh, we just got that accepted by the Academy of Pelvic Health. So I'm super, super excited. So you can hope to see that out very shortly. Um, And I think it, again, is going to be like so beneficial as we're all having to go to telehealth because the movement system approach, again, isn't very hands-on. It's mostly cue-based. It's mostly um, movement-based, obviously. And so I think it will be really, really beneficial for people who are having to kind of shift their mindset of how they treat. That's yeah. one of the reasons why I love, you know, the McKenzie method is it's it's a movement approach, right? And it really kind of just empowers a patient to be their own therapist almost. And, you know, I think that's huge, especially in today's world where, you know, telehealth might be the only option for somebody. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some plans for PhysioSage that you guys have in the next couple of years? Like where do you want it to be? Yeah. So I think we've got some immediate goals or very near future goals, and then we have some further out goals. So um, as we mentioned, you know, we just put out our first like product pack and we want everybody to check it, check that out and give us feedback. Um, we're actually in the process of developing an ebook, which is all about the reflective process. So there are 
several reflective processes out there that are defined in the literature. And so what we're doing is we're just kind of like adapting that for the PT population so that it's more meaningful for us in our profession. And, you know, using examples like that, it is very interactive. So it's workbook based. So again, you fill things out, you do it. And I think that's a theme that keeps coming up is like, this is something you actually need to do and practice just like anything else we do. Um, So that's in the works. And then we are also developing courses. And so we want to be able to give online courses that will help people to become stronger patient educators. The first one that we're working on is really about that sense of self. So we talk a lot about reflection and self-reflection, and we kind of realized like we need to do some work before we can even get into the reflective mindset. So how do we get the confidence? How do we get the uh, sense of self-efficacy from ourselves? We talk about that with our patients, but we need to do it too. So how do we ready ourselves to reflect? And so that first course we're kind of hoping is going to be a little bit of that introductory course and kind of working again on like us as people and becoming stronger, more resilient people so that we can be better for our patients. Um, so that's kind of like the immediate things. Um, yeah. In addition to, in addition to all of our lofty two year, yes. three year, yes. many year out goals. And again, we just started a few months ago, but we definitely have goals to develop our courses to include all of our stage subjects. And what we realized, again, PTs aren't that great at patient education right now, but there are other professions and other people that are. And so we want to pull in social workers. We want to pull in teachers. Both Carla and I have parents that have been teachers. And so we understand the impact a really great teacher can have on someone's life. And so we want to pull in those other professions because they are more experts in some of those areas. So courses with them, we want to develop more books and more journals. We want to develop things that are population-based. So maybe a new grad version, a version for a student on their clinical, a version for a first-year PT student. And hopefully that can really get us into what we complained about or talked about earlier of the problem with PT school education. Well, we want to get in there. So we want to be a resource for schools to have as a a textbook, a resource for that psychosocial class or that class where they're talking about patient education, we want to create that resource to make that gap a little smaller for new grads when they first come out and graduate. There's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. No, that was great. So, all right, cool. So in the last five years or so, what do you guys think, what kind of beliefs, behaviors, or maybe habits have most improved your lives? Yeah, so I have personally gone through so much change, like not even just in the past five years, in the past year, okay? And um, maybe one day I'll write an autobiography of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That no one will want to read, but um, I think, you know, so much has happened in such a short time. I have really had to become more resilient. That's becoming the buzzword of this 2020 era. So I'm sorry, but really having to work on myself, things like going to counseling, 
becoming a little bit more confident. I mean, I was six years out and I still sort of had this imposter syndrome. I still sometimes struggle with that and really feeling like I can do the things I want to do. So shifting into more of a growth mindset, I think has changed everything for me, which is not easy. And it's old habits die hard. And so it, again, is something that I have to practice every single day. And I have Megan to also keep me accountable when I kind of go back into these self-limiting, you know, mindsets or verbalizations. So I think that's, that's huge is the habit of how we talk to ourselves. And how about you, Megan? And, well, and another comment about that is we decided to go into business together because we both realized that we needed a partner and needed someone to bounce ideas off of. And we do not agree on everything. And being okay with knowing that your partner isn't going to agree is really challenging because it's it's easy to pick a partner that agrees with you on everything. Mm-hmm. and But that might not make you grow. It might not encourage growth. And so that decision, I feel like with the two of us really has made us grow in that way, even in the past year. Uh, but five years ago, I was still an undergrad and I was still a gymnast. I was a gymnast for 19 years. And that was my identity. I always had a team. I was always practicing and really had this narrow gymnastics focus. And then after that was all over, I had to redefine really who I was, what I was going to do with my time. How was I going to exercise? Because I hated running. I hated lifting, but I wanted to do gymnastics. And so in these past couple of years, especially in PT school and looking at all the ways to get involved, I realized that I was going to be okay if I did things by myself and whether or not my classmates were excited about advocacy or talking to legislators, that didn't matter because I was excited about it. And if I wanted to send an email to someone who I really admired in the PT world, but was nervous about it. I tried to do that anyways, even if I was going to be the only one. She emailed me. <laughs> I emailed Carla. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And even mentors, like you said, just that might be able to guide you in a certain direction, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. So do you guys have any advice or, or maybe words of wisdom for future PTs or healthcare professionals looking to start their own business? Like I said earlier, first figure out if you're going at it on your own or with a partner or with a team. And that takes some self-reflection of looking at how well you work in group projects or feedback that you get from your patients if you're always clashing with coworkers or things like that. And looking at the skills that you have and what skills your network has. And not just your PT network, but like your friends, your childhood friends. Do you have someone that knows computer programming and that can help you with website design? Maybe that'd be a good idea to reach out to that person. Uh, Carl and I have really found that it's helpful to reach out to that network and people are willing to help. They're willing, especially if you show that passion and excitement and tell that other person that you really respect their skills and would love for you, for them to teach you their skills. So yeah, look into your network. I think my feedback would be don't undervalue yourself and stay persistent. So again, we nerd out and we talk about this a lot, but the undervaluing of yourself, you're not even going to get started. But then you've really got to be passionate about what you're doing. So you've got to make sure that you choose something. If you're doing a business, you have to choose something that you are going to want to stick it out, even when it kind of sucks. 
there's always going to be some times that you're like, I don't like doing this. Okay. But I love the business. And so, you know, whatever you suck it up and you do it. I think that staying persistent, staying present and literally just being there. I think, you know, staying the course. I mean, we're putting out content every day and we're seeing our followers grow. And I think that is honestly, it is literally just doing it. So I know I've said, just do it. Uh, (laughs) Nike's going to come and sue me, Um, but it's true. It's like literally just put it out there. Stay persistent. Don't undervalue yourself. The biggest limiter to yourself is yourself, actually. Yeah, that's really good advice. And from both of you guys, uh, I appreciate everything you guys have said on this podcast because it's been eye-opening not only to me, but I'm sure to people listening. So thank you for, for being on the show. Do you guys have anywhere where maybe you know the listeners can, can find more about you or you know your Instagram page? Do you want to just kind of tell us where they Absolutely. can go? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're on Instagram at PhysioSage. That's P-H-Y-S-I-O-S-A-G-E. PhysioSage, exactly how it sounds. Our website, physiosage.org. And our Facebook page, PhysioSage. Pretty simple. Nice. (laughs) They're all pretty similar. Exactly. (laughs) And you can even email us. We like a good email because I want people to give us this feedback. So we're at hello at physiosage.org, I believe. Uh, we're just getting started, so hey, I'll post it in the show notes. Back, I don't know. Send me a text or something. <laughs> or I'll put your cell phone number in the show notes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. <laughs> awesome, guys! Thank you so much for coming on the show. I do appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate it. I think this is such a good thing that you're getting started, and takes a lot of vulnerability on your part that you know you're hosting and you're doing all of this. And again, just like stay the course and do it. We'll do. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to check out Megan and Carla at PhysioSage on Instagram. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. Helps get this out to more people who need to hear it. And if you're looking for a career change away from patient care, don't forget you can save $50 on the non-clinical one-on-one course by Meredith Kasten. She's redoing the course to include over 20 different non-clinical career tracks for PT, OT, and speech therapists. So make sure to grab it so you have access to that. Links for everything in the show notes. Catch you guys in the next episode.